0: Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 70 of the Money Love Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about money well-spent. I figured that since last week, we talked about the lies of consumer culture, and we really spent a lot of time talking about how consumer culture programs us to spend money in a way that, for most of us, doesn't add much to our overall happiness and well-being levels. And so I figured that this week, we could talk about the opposite of that. Money that is money well spent, meaning ways that you can spend your money that are scientifically proven to increase your happiness levels. Really, when I think about my job as your coach and as a spending coach, this is one of my primary goals and missions, is to arm you with the knowledge that you can use to shift your spending decisions and your spending habits from spending money on things that you think will add to your happiness, but they really don't, to using money as an intentional tool and actually spending it in a way that really does increase your overall happiness. Now, I always tell you guys that life is 50-50 and being happy 100% of the time is not the end-all be-all. The goal is to be human, not to be happy all of the time. And the pure, true human experience is 50-50 for all of us. But in today's world with all the messed up messaging and marketing that were served that we touched on last week, it becomes harder and harder to do that. So we're going to go through four ways today that you can spend your money that will increase your happiness. It's scientifically proven, and we're going to call this episode Money That Is Money Well Spent. Now, I do want to say that this is not a comprehensive list, of course, and this is going to differ person to person. I teach a concept that we all have what I call our money loves, and your money loves are different for each of us, but your money loves are the things or the general categories that you enjoy spending money on, and not like the fake, artificial, high-of-the-buy And then there's the crash, enjoy. Not like eating three cupcakes, enjoy. But enjoy in a sense that you feel good spending the money. But then a day, a week, a month, a year down the road, you still look back at that purchase and you think, yeah, that was money that was really well spent. The value exchange is there for you. Remember that one of the primary principles I teach about being a good spender is that you want the item, the service, the experience that you are exchanging your money for to be more valuable to you than the money is to you that you exchanged for it. And with your money loves, you're like, yes, this is money well spent. I feel good about this purchase in the long run. I'd still rather have the item, the service, or the result that this money got me rather than having my money back. Each of us can evaluate our spending through that lens, and we can start to identify certain categories that these purchases fall into. For some, it's health and wellness. For some, it's personal development. Personal development is one of my personal money loves. That's why I spend so much money on myself for coaching and books and programs. For some, it's convenience, buying back time, making your life easier. For some, it's luxury items like fine dining experiences, designer clothing. There's no right or wrong. It's unique to you. But we all have those things. And there is a level of individuality and personalization that has to be taken into account when you're looking at your own spending and when you're using money in a way that's going to bring you the most happiness. But, (laughs) and here's the but, I will say this. Ramit Seti says this a lot, and I totally agree. So, there's a popular saying in personal finance that personal finance is personal, right? And yes, 100% agree, totally true to an extent. He says we're all unique, yes, but human beings are very much the same in a lot of ways. And we all have similar drivers and motivations that are at the core. Of how we are designed to behave and function as human beings. There are certain things that make most of us across the board tick. And those are the things that we're gonna cover today. So, yes, it is important to do some self reflection to figure out your unique drivers, but I can guarantee you that all of these, or most of these things that we're gonna talk about today, will resonate with all of us because they all tap into the core desires and the core needs that we all have as human beings. These things play into how we have been designed to operate. So wanted to point that out. Look at your spending through your own individual lens, but also understand that as human beings, we're all very similar. And there are certain things that across the board are going to raise happiness levels in all of us because of our human design. So here we go. Money well spent. The first area Where your money is generally very well spent is when you spend money on experiences rather than material goods or physical items. Now, we hear this one a lot. I am probably not the first one to tell you this, but I do want to spend some time explaining to you why this is because a lot of us do know this one to be true through personal experience, but we haven't really given any time to thinking about why this is, why spending money on experiences typically feels better, and why we get a far more lasting satisfaction from doing things rather than from having things. So the first reason is because typically, experiences grow more valuable to us over time, whereas material goods become less valuable to us over time. So, I want you to think that experiences are like an asset that appreciates in value. It's going to go up over time. But most material items to us are depreciating assets. They become less valuable, less exciting, less useful to us over time. They lose their allure to us. And like we've talked about last week, we acquire new things and we play with them for a little bit and we're dazzled by them for a little bit, but then Usually, five minutes later, we are on to acquiring the next shiny new toy in 0.5 seconds. But experiences are different because experiences have a lasting effect to us because we take a lasting pleasure in the memories that we have from them and then the stories that we get to tell about them years down the road. So, think about a trip that you've taken, a concert that you went to for your favorite artist, a one of a kind dining experience that you've had. These are all experiences, but I'm sure that you still think about them, you have fond memories of them, you've told other people about the experience, and there's stories that you have from them that you constantly are revisiting, retelling, and sharing with people, right? So because there are those lasting memories and those lasting stories that we get to carry with us and revisit, experiences become more valuable to us over time, not less valuable over time. Now, with experiences, we also don't experience as much buyer's remorse or have as much spending guilt or regret when we spend money on them as we tend to do with items or material goods. Since experiences are so unique to us, it's hard to indulge in the compare and despair that we often do with other people and material items. So even if, let's say this, somebody goes to that same concert that you did or somebody eats at that same restaurant that you did that you thought was amazing, your experience at the concert or at the restaurant still has a level of uniqueness that only you got to experience. Maybe where you were sitting, maybe the waiter that you had, maybe the dessert that you chose to order. It's unique to you. And because of that, the uniqueness adds a level of fondness that we feel towards the experience. And we typically don't compare experience to experience. We're not busy being like, oh, well, my experience there compared to her experience there. We're not doing that and comparing our experiences with other people because with experiences, we understand the individuality that comes with the experiences, right? So with material goods, though, we get sucked into comparing with other people. We compare our houses, our cars, our closets, our furniture, our gadgets with other people. It's just easier to compare a physical object that we can look at and touch and measure. But experiences, in a sense, are abstract. We can't do that. But with material goods, we are always looking at and concerned with who has the biggest, who has the newest, who has the nicest, the fanciest. Because with a physical object, it's easier to do that than with an experience that only you got to experience. Now, here's one more reason that experiences make us so happy. It's because most experiences, not all, but most, are shared with other people. This one really taps into one of our core human needs and desires, which is our basic human need for connections with other humans. It's something that experiences meet that material items typically don't. Because experiences tend to be group events. We experience them with other people. And buying an object is a very individual experience. It's typically not shared with anyone because you buy it, it belongs to you. So that difference between sharing with other people and doing it alone is another reason why spending money on experiences rather than items boosts your happiness so much more. It's that deep core need for connection with other human beings. That's something that we all have. It's how we've been designed to survive. And experiences really tap into that core human need. So you guys, bottom line, if you want to spend your money in a way that is scientifically proven to boost your happiness, experiences, experiences, experiences. So that is the first one. The next item that is money well spent, way that you can spend your money that boosts your happiness is to spend money on other people. Yep. Do not spend your money on yourself. Spend it on other people. There has been study after study done that proves this, you guys, that when we spend money on other people rather than ourselves, we are generally happier. So there was one study that was done out of Harvard by Dr. Liz Dunn. And what they did is that they went up to people and they gave people money. They gave them anywhere between 5 and $20. So for half of the people, they said, here's $5, spend it on whatever you want, but it just has to be something for yourself. But then the other half of the participants, they gave them the same amount of money and they said, buy whatever you want, spend it however you want, but it has to be for another person. And what they found is that the people who spent money on other people and not themselves were noticeably more happy at the end of the day than the people who just spent the money on themselves. Now, something else here that I find really interesting about this study that I want to point out is that the levels of happiness didn't fluctuate between the amounts of money that were spent. So, The people who spent $5 on somebody else experienced boost in happiness that were at the same level as people who spent $20 on someone else. And I think that this one, sometimes a lot of us, we have the thought of, I don't make enough money to give it away, or I need this all for me and my family. I've done a past episode where I told you guys how my my mind used to work like that. My husband is very financially generous. And like every time he would leave a big tip or he would give money to somebody, my brain would absolutely freak out. I'd be like, no, that's our money and we need it for us. I used to think that. Or sometimes we think, well, what I have to give, the amount is so little, it's not going to make a difference. Like, what difference is a dollar or five dollars going to make? And the beautiful news that science shows us is that these are just thought errors, you guys. These are just untrue thoughts that our brains are offering us based on what we think is true, what actually isn't true at all. Because this study shows us that whether you give $5 or $20 to somebody, the boost that you're going to receive in happiness is just the same. It's not about the amount, it's just engaging in the act of giving and putting others before yourself. So I want you to think about a time that you helped someone out that involved an exchange of money. Maybe you donated money to a charity, you bought a friend going through a hard time some coffee. Somebody just came up to you in a store and said, "Hey, like, do you mind buying this for me? I don't have my wallet or I don't have the money. Can you just buy this for me?" I want to tell you guys something that I started doing a couple of years ago, and it sounds a little crazy, but it really has been a game changer for me and this doesn't happen often. Like I'm not saying this happens like all the time, but I think most of us have had situations like this where you have been approached by somebody that maybe you don't know and they're asking you for money. And I just decided a couple years ago that anytime anybody asked me for help concerning money, the answer would always be yes. Now, assuming it was within my financial means to do so, I'm not saying if somebody came and said, hey, will you give me $100,000? I'd be like, sure. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I know sometimes outside of our grocery store, there are families and they're just kind of sitting outside of the grocery store and they're just hoping that somebody will be like, hey, like, come in with me. I'll buy you some groceries. And I just decided a long time ago that anytime anybody ever asks me for money, the answer is always Yes. And sometimes people get confused by that because the immediate place that their mind goes to is, well, aren't you afraid that you're going to get taken advantage of? And my answer is always like, no, I'm not really concerned I'm getting taken advantage of. Even if the person is being untruthful and I am being taken advantage of, I started looking at it first through the lens of the benefit that I get to receive from it. Like, I get to receive such a huge benefit, such a huge happiness hit, and a feel good hit by doing it that even if somebody is taking advantage of me, like, I don't really care. It feels amazing to help people out, to be financially generous in that way. And so, yes, maybe sometimes I'm getting taken advantage of, but I'm not gonna go through life being automatically skeptical of other people and untrusting of other human beings. I'm gonna assume the best in other people. I'm gonna assume that they genuinely need help. And I'm going to feel so happy, so excited, so blessed to be the one that has the financial means to be able to help them. And so I just decided a long time ago, anytime anybody like has like the courage or the guts to come up to me and and ask me for help, like the answer is always going to be yes. So that's a little sidebar, but I just wanted to offer that to you guys because it's a decision that I made a couple years ago and it's been a total game changer for me. Now, let's come back to it. This one is similar to the last one in that the reason that it feels so good to spend money on other people rather than ourselves is that when we help people, we feel connected to them. It feels good to help people. It feels good to put others before yourself. It just feels good. And as a result, it makes us happy. So here's your homework for this one. Just go out and just spend some money on something that isn't for you. It's for somebody else. Could be anything. The amount doesn't matter. Don't freak out about the amount. It can be a dollar. Just go do it. And you guys, this is another thought error that I want you to see. Your brain wants you to be in scarcity. It is wired for negativity. And it's usually in the automatic habitual survival mode most of the time. And so Our natural gut reaction is to hold on to our money and hold on to it really tightly. So this one isn't easy. Your brain wants to tell you and convince you that, no, you're gonna be happier, you're gonna be safer if you spend this money on yourself and if you keep it, don't let it go, don't give it to other people. But it's just another thought error. I have so many examples of this in my own life where I can point to and be like, oh, wait, that's actually not true at all. It feels so much better when I spend money on other people rather than spending money on myself. Now, I do want to make this disclaimer about spending money on other people really quick before we move on to the next one. This is really important. I feel very strongly about this. This one only works when you spend money on other people and you give money away with no strings attached. You expect nothing in return from the other person. You do not have ulterior motives for giving people the money or for buying things for others. If there are strings attached, if you are expecting a quid pro quo situation, if in the back of your head, you're like, well, I gave them money, so they should do blank or stay blank or be blank. If there is an expectation attached to the money that you're giving, it's not going to work. It's not going to feel good. It's not going to feel good for you, and it's definitely not going to feel good for the other person. It's not the same thing as giving money away or spending money on someone without having any strings or any rules attached to it. By spending money on people, I do not mean spending money on people to control them, to manipulate them, or to buy the love or respect of other people. A lot of us try to do this, and it just ends up making us unhappier than we were to begin with, and it's our own doing. It's our own fault because of the expectations that we attach to the money that then are not met or followed by the person that gets the money. And we're not just giving it purely out of love and kindness without rules, expectations, or strings attached. So, that is a big disclaimer. If you do that, it's gonna negate that whole thing. The next category, number three of money that is money well spent, is buying back your time and buying back a sense of control over your life. Now, this is a big one that can lead to massive jumps in happiness and life satisfaction. I know for many of us, There is truly no worse feeling and no bigger hit to our happiness than having to spend our time doing something that we don't want to do and also feeling like we don't have a sense of control or autonomy over how we spend our time. So if we can find ways to spend our money that buys us back that sense of control and buys us back some time, especially the time that we would have spent doing something that we don't enjoy, it's money well spent. Again, this is going to look different for each of us, but I want you to think about the things that you really don't like doing and if it's possible for you to spend money to have someone else do it to free up your time. So if you hate cleaning, hire someone to clean for you. If you hate laundry, hire a laundry service. If cooking and meal prep isn't your thing, invest in those like pre-made meals that get delivered straight to your door. If there are certain errands that are consistent items on your to-do list that keep popping up that you absolutely loathe doing, like going to the dry cleaners, going to the post office, washing your car, things like that, you can hire somebody and pay them just an hourly rate to just run those errands for you. You can do that nowadays with the internet. It's a beautiful thing. So those are some examples of figuring out the things that you really don't like doing And trying to figure out if you can pay someone else to do those for you, that in a sense is buying back time, buying back control over how you spend your time, specifically by not having to do things that you hate doing. Now, another area that I want to bring to your attention in this one, and this one doesn't necessarily involve spending money, but it's important, is how we spend our time and our days within our jobs and our professions. So, if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, I want you to seriously consider hiring a VA, a virtual assistant, to start doing all of the tasks that you hate doing. Michael Hyatt calls this your drudgery zone. So, he says you have a desire zone, which are the things that you really love to do and they energize you within your business. But then you have your drudgery zone, which are the things that drain you and they feel very heavy. And every day that you have to do them just feels like a chore. I want you to identify what those things are and then delegate them to your VA. If you're not an entrepreneur or a business owner, and I know many of you aren't, and work a nine-to-five job, there are also ways that we can do this within your job. So two ways that jump out to me. The first is making changes in your profession so that you have more flexibility and control over your time, either in the hours or the schedule that you work. How many hours you work, that sort of thing. Now, I get it. I know that every situation is different. I know this is not an option or it's not practical for all professions, but I will say the landscape over the past two years has completely changed with the pandemic. And it has totally altered how employees and employers are looking at how work can get done and where and when those jobs can get done. There has never been a better time where your employer will probably be as receptive as they are now to go to them and to say, hey, would you be okay with me working from home two days a week? Or would you be okay with me altering my schedule so that I work these hours and then I take a break and then I work these hours? Three years ago, they might've said no, but now that we've gone through the pandemic and so many of us have worked from home for so long and employers are actually seeing that we're all adults and we can be productive at home, they could be more open to it. And so if your schedule isn't how you want it to be, if you're working hours that you don't like, just ask. The worst that they could possibly say is no. And if it's really that much of a hassle, then you could start looking for a new job. Now, here's one more area. There is something that is called the U-index, and the U stands for unpleasant. And the U-index looks at how much time we spend experiencing negative emotions. And it also looks at what types of activities contribute most strongly to the U-index. And one of the activities that adds the most to the U-index where we experience unpleasant emotions is commuting, (laughs) the time that we have to spend getting to and from our jobs. Now, like I said, we are in the middle of the great resignation. More people than ever are leaving the workforce, which means that there are more jobs than ever. And I understand that changing your job is a big change. I acknowledge that. Switching jobs or companies is a big deal. But if your commute is killing you and you don't have the above option that we just talked about of, altering maybe the days that you work from home or the hours that you can work so that you're not sitting in traffic. If that's not an option for you, I would highly recommend trying to find a job where you can shorten your commute. I have seen example of this time after time. I've done this myself. When my husband and I lived in Michigan, we each had about an hour 15, an hour and a half commute each way. I would head north, my husband would head south, Ryan literally worked in a different state for two years. He would drive from Michigan to Toledo, Ohio, there and back every day. He put 100,000 miles on our car in like 18 months. I would go the other way and I would spend an hour and a half in the car. I was just sitting in traffic the entire time. Distance wise, I wasn't going as far. We would come home from our days at work and be two very unhappy people. Very unhappy people. Then we moved to Houston and I started working from home. I had no commute anymore. And his commute went from an hour and a half driving over 100 miles a day to a 10-minute commute. And we talk about all the time how much happier it made both of us. So again, I know that these examples don't involve spending money, but I had to say them because our jobs, our professions are such huge parts of our life. And gaining back a sense of how we actually spend that time, whether it's how much we work, the hours we work, or the amount of time that we actually spend trying to get to and from our jobs, it makes a big difference in your overall happiness. So before we move on to the last and final category, I want to read you this really short excerpt from one of my favorite books, The Psychology of Money, Morgan Housel. He says this. He says, use your money to gain control over your time. Because not having control over your time is a powerful, universal drag on your happiness. The ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want, pays the highest dividends that exist in finance. I highlighted that, underlined it, circled it in the book. It's one of my favorite sentences from the entire book, and I wanted to share that with you. So the last category, let's wrap this episode up, of money well spent is any money that you can invest back into yourself. If there is one key takeaway that I want each of you to know, working with me or coaching with me, is that you are your greatest asset and you are the greatest investment that can be made. More than the stock market, more than your retirement account, more than a savings account, you are your greatest investment. Now, there's a couple ways that we can do this. First and foremost, Investing in your mental health, spending money on those things, whether it is therapy, coaching, just being a continual learner, books. You don't even have to spend money on books. Getting books at your local library, managing your mind through self-coaching, which is completely free. Well, you, you just need a pen and a piece of paper, so however much it costs for a pen and a piece of paper, but not that much. My mind is the area that I spend the most money in. I have spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on my coaching certification, on my coaches now, on the coaching programs that I'm in now. I see such a huge return, such a huge ROI on the money that I invest into my mind. Any dollar that I invest into my mind, I know is coming back to me tenfold. Not only just in monetary returns, but also just in feeling better because you guys know the mind, your thoughts, your beliefs is where it all begins. Because when you can take care of your mind, you can move on to the next pillar of your health and taking care of yourself, which is your emotional health. So again, this is taking time for yourself, getting coaching, going to therapy if you need to, talking to a trusted friend, giving yourself enough downtime Feeling your feelings and not buffering them away with food or alcohol or shopping or social media, keeping your emotional health in check and investing so that you can do that is so important. And the last pillar of this one is just your physical health, okay? Anything that you can spend money on that's going to give you more energy, that's going to reduce any pain, any physical pain that you're feeling. That's going to help you sleep better, that's going to help you eat better. Anything like that, I say is money well spent. Money that I have invested back into myself is the best money that I've ever had the privilege to spend because I know that I am my own best investment. Whether it's being mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy, all of those things just in my overall well being, highest levels of ROI there are. I want to remind you that there is material wealth and then there's emotional wealth. And the world that we live in, consumer culture wants to tell you that material wealth is the most important thing and that's what you need to be prioritizing. But if you have the opportunity to invest money back into yourself, if it's going to help you manage your mind better, if it's going to help you feel better emotionally or physically, there is no price that can be put on that. I say that given the choice between emotional health and material wealth, I would choose emotional health, hands down, no question, every single time. The reason that I think that coaching has been so valuable to me is because, yes, I want to go out and create a life that is amazing and I want to blow my own mind with how much money that I can make. But I also know that because of the tools that I have of managing my mind, feeling my emotions, processing through that, I could live in a shack and be perfectly happy. And I know that about myself. And having that peace is the best gift and the best investment that I have ever, ever given myself. So let's recap. Money well spent. Spend money on experiences. Spend money on other people. Spend money buying back your time and gaining back control over your life and invest money in yourself because you are your best investment. So please take this and apply it. I wanna remind you guys that the podcast is fantastic and I am so happy that you're here, but I also want to push you and encourage you as your coach not to just be a passive learner. Passively consuming content is one thing, But are you actually going to take what we talk about here and apply it? And I want to tell you that that is why coaching or working with me directly or within one of my programs is so valuable. Because yes, I give you the knowledge and the tools and the information, but we also go and apply it to your life together. I want to remind you that we're three weeks away from Overcoming Overspending launching on March 1st. Please make sure to join the waitlist. If you join the waitlist, you will be the first to hear about it. And also, I will tell you, if you join the waitlist, there might just be an extra little discount heading your way just because it helps me to get a sense of the interest when people join the waitlist so I can get a sense of how many founding members we're going to be inviting into the program. So join the waitlist. The link to do that is in the show notes. Just scroll down, add in your email. You're added mark your calendars for March 1st. Overcoming Overspending is going to have the full program. It's going to have over 20 amazing modules that you can immediately start consuming. There's going to be a community aspect. There's going to be live weekly coaching calls with me, and you can also, within the program, buy individual coaching sessions with me, if you want to do some one-on-one coaching and you still want a level of personalized, intimate support from me. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. I love you all dearly. Have a fantastic week and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I wanna invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the Self-Paced Online Program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled, purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.